Listener Production. Want to learn how to feel good whilst attracting what you want into your life? I have designed a course for you using the manifesting methods I use daily. This is an audio course, so it can be easily listened to in the car, going for a walk or on your daily commute. And I've designed printable worksheets with exercises to help you practice what you're learning. All the info on the course is in this episode show notes, or you can go to the shop tab at sarahgrimberg.com to purchase Manifest Your Greatness. This is part two of my interview with Dr. Bruce Lipton. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you listen to that first. It's available now via your podcast app. If you have, settle in and enjoy part two of my interview with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton is a well-renowned stem cell biologist and one of the leaders in epigenetics. He is best known for promoting the idea that gene expression can be influenced by environmental factors, that people have a greater impact on their health than genetic research has previously determined. In my third and first face-to-face interview with Bruce, we discuss illness in children, why they are born with disease and how it manifests, the steps Bruce took to find love and create happiness in his life, and the humanly experience, why we are brought into our bodies to experience both love and pain. Have as much fun as you can possibly have. Enjoy everything to the fullest. Simple rule, if you don't like it, then don't do it. (laughs) Do something else. What a great opportunity to be creators. We are creators. We are creating our life. And we have to let go of the victim part because that meant you lost your power and that we are powerful creators. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Through my years of studying and researching the connection between human behaviour, personal growth and transformation, I have discovered the keys to unlocking greatness within others. In this podcast, I share stories and experiences from my own teachings, along with conversations with inspiring guests to help you learn the simple tips, habits practices and strategies to cultivate an extraordinary existence. Spending time with Bruce face-to-face did not disappoint. This man is not just a teacher. He lives, breathes and fully embodies what he preaches. He is kind, wise and he has a big heart. My hope is that this conversation inspires you to reevaluate your potential, find power in your abilities to create, and sets you on the path to healing that we all wish to seek. Can I ask you something? With when we're talking about wanting something, if it's to do with another person, say someone really liked someone, a girl liked a guy called Michael. They were manifesting Michael and they felt good about themselves and Michael, the specific person, they knew them, didn't come and they found out that Michael was in a relationship or something like that. How does that work? You can't change another person as that such, is can a, you? Please, let me emphasise now that you brought that yes. up. Because the first thing is this, uh, people have compassion. That's part of being a human. And when someone's not doing well... Our biology as humans is let's help them, let's support them, let's let's you know give them the guidance, let's you know 
support this person that needs it. Yeah, like if they want to bring someone into health as well or whatever. Actually, they're not healthy, but you could say, look, if we do this, you can yeah. get healthy, eat this, do that. Let me let me put this out because it's so critical, and the idea is this. You cannot change anybody. Yes. They can only change themselves. And until they are ready to change, anything you're going to offer is not going to be taken up yeah. because they're not ready. And we put so much of our our emotion, you know, and, and our passion to help somebody. And then realize that it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. So if Jane's interested in Michael and Jane's trying to manifest Michael and Michael's not interested, it's not that Jane's a bad manifester. It's just that she can't change Michael's way of being. And that's and, and a lot of relationships. Well, you know, he wasn't really perfect, but I know that it will work out. And I yes. go, what are you going to do, change this person? And I go, wow, you know, that's a, uh, you're taking that on. If they're not ready to change, they're not going to change. Yeah. But people don't know they have programs. Most of it, you talk to anybody, they don't realize that their life in this moment is a program. And if they don't know that they're programmed, then their behavior can make conflicts because mm. they, the behavior is coming from that unconscious program. Uh, and the idea is, guess what happens if both people know there are programs? Ah, that's why when Margaret and I got together, she came from a background of workshop training people and stuff like that. And I, of course, was coming from this. And we both knew programs. And then when a program that if I came up with one of my father's behaviors, we didn't have an argument. We had a discussion. Yeah. Do you want that behavior? And I say, what behavior? Why? I didn't see it when I did it. And then she would say something. I go, oh, no. And then we changed it. But in a conventional relationship, the, the one comes up with that bad program, and the other one's going, what, what kind of stuff is this? And then there's an Sets argument. Sets each other off, and yeah. Then, and it's like, that's not going to work. So it's really important that both people recognize when they come together, we came with baggage. Mm. We came with programs. And if both people are aware of it, then it's not offsetting if one says, you know, what kind of behavior is that? Because it's like, oh, why? What did I say? I didn't see it. Mm. Then resolution. But if you don't have that resolution, then argument. That's a, either resolve it or you argue over it. Uh, and obviously resolution is the destination. So obviously we spoke about putting the earbuds in at night time for the subconscious mind yes. to help rewire. What are the other things that people can okay. do? Okay. There are two natural ways we got the program. First seven years, that was the hypnosis state. And theta is hypnosis. And the earbuds go in because the moment you fall asleep, the next part of your brain function, the vibration slows down. Now it's in theta for a period of time. So there is a window of hypnosis, just whatever the hearing is, it goes in, okay? But I say, but after seven, you still learn things. You learn how to drive a car. You learn how to play music instruments. And I say, how'd you learn that? I say, repetition, habituation. And all of a sudden, oh, you want to do something new? Then you have to make a habit out yes. of it. You have to repeat this. Uh, I like the uh, the new age the, the new age idea. You know, fake it till you yeah. make it. And I go, what does that mean? I go, well, simply this: you're not a happy person, and nothing is happening around you that makes you happy. I say, what do you do? I say, then all day long, every time you can think of it, you just say to yourself, I am happy. Mm. I am happy. Can I just you're, tell you something on that? Yes, please. Do. It's interesting. There's a girlfriend of mine who really listens to your work. She moved into state. And she didn't really know anyone and she was basically starting a new life. And she was like, Sarah, I just faked it till I made it. I imagined the life that I wanted and I started doing things that I wouldn't normally do. She goes, 
and it's worked. Yes. She goes, this new person I was pretending to be, I couldn't love my life more. She's like, I am so in love with my life right now. It was completely. I'm glad, bl- I'm glad you said that. that because yeah. it's not just me saying stuff. This no, is a reality. It's of reality. It. Uh, uh, and like you have the to actor be... being the character. Oh, and that's another good one. Because what does an actor do? They take on a character. Yeah. So let's say Renee, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. She plays the diary of Bridget Jones. Yes. Right? That character is 40 pounds heavier than Renee is. But she gets into character. And it's like not just learning the lines, but she's becoming to behave like that character. She gained 40 pounds. But guess what? The day the movie was finished, I'm not a character anymore. She lost the 40 pounds, yeah. okay? Uh, Dustin Hoffman, one of the yeah, great actors. Uh, he was uh, playing uh, um, uh, Death of a Salesman, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it was a very depressive character. Willie Loman, <laughs> very depressive. And he was doing it on Broadway. He's magnificent. He became Willie Loman. But he became Willie Loman so much that he had to go to a, a mental hospital because he became so depressed because he became the character. I remember, I can't remember the name of one of the black stars. And he played a, a boxing guy. Yes. And he, in real life, when you see him, he's a real kind of a skinny kind of guy. And then I see him in this movie. He's got all these muscles. And where the heck did that come from? Once you manifest the character, you start playing the character, and then you become the character, and your friend did this. And it's exactly the way to do it. I said, well, do you have to be an actor? I said, you are. You're acting right now. What is it you want to act? And if you start to say, I want to be this character, and I say, well, then how would that character behave? And they're saying, you know, well, if that character behaves this way, then I will do this way. And I go, then you're becoming that character, and you will change the character of your life. It's interesting you say that because it reminds me of a quote I heard where the universe doesn't do what you want. It reflects who you are. Even that goes back to the whole idea of cause and effect. You're kind to someone that's reflected back to you. You're mean to someone that's going to be reflected back to you as well. It's very interesting. It's called resonance, vibration, harmony or disharmony. When you send out uh, a vibration... Anything that resonates with that vibration will light up in your life because two energies come together and they activate each other, but they activate them in harmony. So if you send out a positive vibration, it's going to activate some positive aspect in somebody else who is at that same vibration. But if you send out a negative vibration, the positive person doesn't vibrate at that level. It's a negative one. Then all of a sudden the negative person comes in. We were creating with that broadcast. And again, remember, that thought is not in your head. It's a tuning fork. And it's going out with that vibration out in the field. And you will manifest anything in harmony with that vibration. So then all of a sudden I say, good vibe or bad vibe? Well, which one? I say, if you're doing good vibes, then only something good is going to show up. Something really interesting, uh, a lot of people went to this retreat recently and I was reading something on like a Facebook group that they had and obviously whilst they're at the retreat, it was like meditation, a few other things, they raised their vibration to quite a high level, right? And this girl, this is actually quite a shocking story. I don't know this person, but I saw this girl had written. She came back literally the next day out of nowhere. Her best friend said, I don't think we can be friends anymore and see you later. People were writing. It's the difference in vibrational level. And what happens is, I think, and people have written into me about this, is they start doing the work. They start doing personal development work. They start changing their subconscious beliefs. They start raising their energy. They start doing all the good things, we yes. would say. Yes. 
and then suddenly the job that they didn't like falls apart but they weren't the ones to walk away from it they got made redundant or the relationship suddenly ends or the friends go and they get worried. So they hang on to their old self, right? Because they're like, what's going on? But really, and I'd love to hear your take on this, they're just coming into a new world and then the new vibration, the new people and the new job that's even better, hopefully we'll meet them at that. Is that correct? A hundred percent correct because the idea is this, if you're creating and manifesting a vision and somebody that was there with your old vision that wasn't in harmony, but you got along because they weren't in harmony, you weren't in harmony, but we could relate to each other and so you became friends to that degree. But then you now get to this higher level and they're staying at that lower level they're they're not in harmony with you anymore and you're not in harmony with them. And that's why you must let go of them because they're going to hold you back to keep you back with the old story. And you don't want the old story, you want the new one. So you need to bring the new people in. And this will happen and it's so wonderful because all of a sudden you start to meet people you would never have met with the old vibe because they wouldn't have been vibrating with you. Yes. Yeah. It's so unbelievably interesting. And I think it can be quite scary for people as well because there's that period where things get a little bit, not distorted, but unsettled. Well, yeah, because everything was flowing. Yeah. And now there's, uh, you know, rapids all of a sudden. It's like not flowing, it's choppy, it's not working right. And I said, well, then you're in the wrong environment to, that that's not supporting you anymore. And again, you know, it's like, well, if I'm losing these people, I go, but... In the end, were they helping you become the person you wanted to be or were they keeping you in the place where you didn't want to be? Yes. And and you don't see it very much because a lot of that is your unconscious mind is doing the vibration in your conscious mind. But that was a friend of mine. I go, yeah, but was that friend really helping you or were they there because nobody else was there and that was the one that was there? And the idea is change is what happens. And change gets you out of an environment that you didn't want to be in Mm. and offers you to create a new environment. Yeah. Uh, uh, And for me, look, I never believed in any of the stuff that we're talking about. I was a medical scientist doing research on genes, of course, you know, and then finding out that whole story was completely wrong. Mm. I had to change my whole life. And guess what? I am so happy I did because I... I wake up every day, I swear, Sarah, I wake up every day, it's like, I'm still here. (laughs) I have another day. Uh, And all the things that I was afraid of in the previous one doesn't exist in my current life. Mm. And it doesn't mean everything's working. But when it doesn't work... I think that's important to hear as well because no one's life is perfect 24-7. No, but the idea, what I also figured out is usually when it wasn't working is because... It wasn't part of what I needed, and that's why it didn't work. And it was like, then that was like, then go back to the old story. It's not working. Well, then I'll make it work, and then you manifest, and then find out, no, actually, it wasn't really what I wanted in the end. It's so funny you say that, because even yesterday I had this thing where I was trying to push something through from work, and, like, there was a lot of no, 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 no. And in the past I would have been like, they don't know what they're talking about, they don't understand the podcast, da-da-da-da-da. And then I was like, you know what? A, maybe it wasn't right. And B, rather than me getting so upset, I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Next. You Next. Know? Right. And I think it's the reaction to the problem changes. 
and then you see that, okay, I haven't taken three weeks to get over this one thing. It took me like a couple minutes and then I just moved on. That, when you learn that, then, boy, that's uh, self-perpetuating. Once you learn, it's like, oh, the next time something comes up, it's, oh, wait, I don't have to hold on to this. Yeah. You know? And, and it's interesting because a lot of psychology, the conventional one is, well, let's go back and see who did what to who and how come you ended up here. And I go... There's an old saying, don't kill the messenger over the message. Mm. And I go, what does that mean? I say, I don't care who caused the problem in your life. You walked away. They're not here. You walked away with a program. You can go back and beat them up, but it has nothing to do with them anymore. You walked away with a program. So the new psychology in my perception is, I don't need to go backwards. I don't care how it got here. I'm doing it now. So between now and the future is what I want to work on. Going backwards just, you know, reinforces the problem that I had in the first place. Yes. And so uh, I like it's a version of a new psychology, like energy psychology, they refer to it. Uh, And this is so wonderful because this is the new vision energy. And the idea is thoughts are energy. You want to change things. We, we change the energy. We yeah. change the thought. And, and we get out of a thought that was taking us back and say, but as you just said, what is it I want? And then put that one in. And guess what? Then you can get there. But if you're holding on to the old thought, that's the limit that says I can't get there because the old thought says I'm not good yeah. enough, not smart enough, not worthy. Whatever you learned from that interaction which wasn't real in a sense, but you programmed yourself and walked away. You walked away with the message. The messenger is gone. Beating up the messenger, a waste of time that is because that's not going to change the message. So all you need to do is change the message. And what's really interesting, I heard someone say that like a lot of what we say from, you know, we're programmed from our past, but our perception of the past usually is like 80% wrong and then we add some source to it to make it sound more full on than what it actually was and then we're going by this coding of what happened in the past that may not have even really happened and we have this complete wrong perception and then as you said we're like living this program through some negative thing. Because we had filters those were the programs we got and then we looked at the world we didn't look at it with like a plain clear open eye let me see what's going on I looked at it with a filter like you know if you get something like uh, in a family, let's say there's bigotry, okay? And, and you grow up, you're an infant. You, you, what do you know? You're just listening and downloading. Mm. And, and, and what's the point? Well, we don't like these people. Well, you're a kid. You never even met one of these people. Yeah. But the day you meet one, you put your filter in right away. Say, you know, my filter is I don't like these people. You never even met them before, but now your relationship with what's going on is completely jaundiced or, you know, <laughs> messed up by the filter that you created the relationship with. And then they were, they were never a problem. It was your filter that manifested them that they were a problem. Yeah. Going back to uh, illness that we were talking about before, I'd love to know, again, this is coming from more of an esoterical point of view. Obviously, we're all going to die one day because, you know, we're born and then we die. So <laughs> how do we know if we get sick if we can change the program to save our life or the fact that death is imminent and it's our time, or we just won't know. Well, no, you won't know, but the idea is this, is that um, um, the, one of the biggest problems is that fear that you talked about. Humans are the only organism on the planet that know they're going to die. Yeah. And this engages something that, um, uh, that started with the most primitive organism. It's called the biological imperative. I go, what the heck is that? I say, every organism from bacteria up 
uh, is built in with a drive to survive. So if, let's say there's bacteria and you're going to try and kill them. They're not going to say, oh, okay, kill me. They will do everything in their ability to stay alive. Well, this happens to us as well, but a little bit more higher level because the bacteria doesn't know it's going to die. We know it's going to die. And then all of a sudden I say, what does that mean? I say, is our attention focused on looking for the good things in our world when we open our, our eyes and look out in the world? And I go, not generally. Our program, the biological imperative, is looking for what is a threat. And you don't realize it. You just don't realize it's 24-7. I mean, you could be sleeping and a noise, all of a sudden, boom, you wake up. Why? Biological imperative says something's threatening, something's going on, uh, and you were dead asleep. Biological imperative's working 24-7. And I go, so significance of that? And I say, because we don't look for the beautiful things. We, we, we unconsciously are looking for the scary things. Yeah. And unfortunately, then that's how you find the scary things because you were afraid of them and you caught them and then all of a sudden they became part of your life. The, I lived like that, like everybody else, until the day I recognized from a scientific point of view, I am a spirit, I'm an energy field, I'm a broadcast. Broad, the television breaks, the broadcast is still there. And I realized I lost my fear of death very hard for people to, to get there because that's the fear you grew up with. And I lost it. I say, what do you mean? I say, I can't die. The body might go. I'm still here. I'm the broadcast. Uh, uh, and that letting go of the fear was one of the most important parts of learning to live in joy and happiness. Because most people, every step is like, well, how's that going to affect me? Is that, is that threatening or what? I go, what if you look at the world without the, that filter on, looking for the threatening things? You don't see them anymore. What are you looking for? I'm enjoying my life. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Uh, and yet you don't realize all of us are built in with this, be afraid, be afraid. Mm. Uh, what's in the shadow? What is that? That person looks scary to me. This thing doesn't look right to me. I go, you're, you're closing yourself down. Mm. And I go, yeah, but the problem is if you focus on that, that's what you will manifest because that's called the creation. Your thoughts are creating. And if your thoughts are negative and fear, you will manifest reasons to be afraid. And I go, but if you don't have those, then there's no manifestation of it. I'm still living in the exact same world I was living in anyway. Mm. But the idea, I walked down the street. In the old days, just like anybody else, it's like a little nervous about where am I, what's going on, letting it go. Letting it go. Because if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. <laughs> and that was the point. Do you do any meditation or anything like that? Do you have any rituals well, <laughs> or such? Well, it was funny because people asked me that for a, a yeah. number of times. I said, well, I don't do anything on practice. And then I, we started talking. I said, well, you know, one of the things I like is washing the dishes. Yeah. And I go, what is it? Uh, and they said, well, that's a meditation. I go, why? Because it's mindless. And you put your hands in the warm water and it's, the, you know, you're free. There's no... It's just mindless to do that. Uh, I vacuum the house. Why? It's mindless. Yeah. I push the machine around. I don't. So it's a freedom of thinking at that point. Uh, you're out of thinking. Why? I don't need to think to wash a dishes. Yeah. And then it's they said, "But that is the me- that is a meditation." Yeah. I go, "Oh, I didn't know it." What do you do if you get a negative thought? It disappears as fast as I get it in there yeah. uh, uh, because that's programming again. Yeah. I started to realize, wait a minute, what am I thinking? Change it. Change it right there. Walk away. Change it right now because if I hold on to it, 
then that picture is going to burn itself yeah. into my consciousness. And then I'm going to manifest something associated with that. So, yeah. What I was taught was when the negative thought comes up, before it comes up, know something in your mind that's positive that you love yeah. and keep moving to that. And then after a while, and this did happen, that I knew, so it wasn't like, oh, shit, I've got to think of something positive. Ugh, I can't think of anything, you know. Yeah. And it was like I always knew that I had this picture in my mind of this certain thing that brought yeah. me joy. So when the negative thought happened, I'd go back to the joyful thought and then after time, the brain just slowly goes, no more, ne- not, you know, always, but like the negative thought It knows where lessened. to go now. Yeah. It had an option. Uh, this to me, again, is what, you know, my life experiences teach me a lot. Uh, I was more or less like a manic depressive at some point. Why? Because I was uh, working in a lab and, you know, everything has to be just right and critical. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing an experiment that just to set up the experiment took over an hour to set it up. And then when I started the experiment, if you mess it up a little bit, the whole thing's gone. So... The third time during that day, messing it up, ruining it, messing up, ruining it. After the third one, I was so upset with myself that I became super critical of myself. The critical point, not good enough. It's not good enough, you know, and I, and it was like somebody on my shoulder, subconscious, saying, "That's you're not good enough, not good enough. And I was sitting there feeling like my parent yelling at me. And I hear a voice. I'm the only one in the lab. I hear a voice. There's nobody in there. Uh, and, and the voice says... <clears throat> Don't you have anything better to do than to listen to this crap? Uh, and I, I said, like, you know, star, it shocked me for a second. There's a voice. I go, I said, yeah, I'd rather go see a movie. So there was a newspaper. I picked it up. I said, oh, I'll go see this movie. And I went to the movie, and the movie was over. I was no longer depressed anymore. I stopped the conversation. Yes. The next time I started to go down, I got a little bit down, and all of a sudden I started to laugh because I remember... Don't I have anything better to do than to listen to this? And I go, yeah, do something else. About three times that I remember, and guess what? Never again. My program is now, that bad thing comes up, no, I got something better to do. (laughs) I can do something. And I got out of it. Now I'm just manic all the time. Now it's like, there's no depressive part. I'm just hyper all the time. But, But the point was, it was the humor of it for me. I laughed. I laughed. It's so interesting, though, because life is what you make of it. It's that saying, how you perceive it is your reality and you have the choice to perceive it in the way that you want. But people don't know that because there's not given... Knowledge is power. Yeah. And what we're talking about, most people do not have this knowledge, so they have a lack of knowledge. Yeah. And I say, what's the result of a lack of knowledge? They have a lack of power. (laughs) And basically that means... Without this awareness of the stuff we're talking about, they're just going through their life with the struggle. The struggle is in their face all the time. But the lack of understanding, for example, that they're even participating in the struggle, they're the receivers of the struggle, Mm. will that put victim in their mind? And victim says, I'm powerless and this is happening to me. And I go, then as long as you say you're powerless, unfortunately that becomes your reality at that time. Bruce, I'd love to know what's the best advice that you have ever been given? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it, you know, it's actually the, the best advice I was given was never coming from people. Yeah. But it came from the cells that I studied because I, I, I was an observer of them in the laboratory. And I could see how they behave and how if I changed the environment, I changed how they were. And I started to see uh, and they were teaching me about this environment was making them sick. They, they were genetically okay. I was creating an environment that didn't support them. 
and what the, from day one when I first learned how to do cell culture back, God, 50, 60 years ago, uh, I remember my advisor saying, uh, you know, we're going to put the cells in the culture and then you're going to grow them. And tomorrow morning you come in, you look in the microscope and look at the cells. And he said to me, if you come in and the cells aren't looking well, you, you look at it and say, what's wrong with the environment? And it never occurred to me even back then. That was the whole secret. If my cells in my body aren't looking well, why? It's not my cells in my body that are having a problem. They're responding to my environment. And that was the teaching part. I said, stop blaming the cells if they're not healthy. Start looking at where in the environment is, is the problem coming from. And that really led to everything we've been talking yeah. about here today. On that, for a child that's, say, and I'm sure you've got this question a bit, that's really young, that hasn't had a long time to be in the environment, say that they're two or something like that, and they develop an illness. Yes. How would people then say, well, it couldn't have been their environment, they are so young, they weren't 30 years down the track and beaten and, you know, all that kind of stuff? They grew up in an environment. They were created embryologically in an environment. And I go, what do you mean? I say, well, they came with their own genes, right? Mm. But they're nourished by the mother's blood. And when I was teaching in medical school 50 years ago or so, we say, what's the role of the mother? Oh, she eats well, takes vitamins, supplements, does exercise, and that's to make a good mother. But the new science of epigenetics is the science how environment is controlling the genes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you look at the blood and go, you know, there's more than nutrition in this blood. There are emotional chemicals, mm. there are growth factors, hormones, and all these things. So whatever the mother is experiencing in her life, when the baby is growing inside of her, not only is she sending blood nutrition to the baby, she's giving the baby information about her life. And if she's struggling then the baby doesn't know why she's struggling, but she know, the baby will know life is not easy, life is a struggle. And that changes the genetics of the baby completely. Mm. And the relevance is that, yeah, the baby's already being genetically altered by the mother who doesn't even know that her consciousness and how she's feeling, and this relates then, of course, to the father, because if he irritates the mother, then she's not feeling well. And I say, but the fetus is just getting the information. Is the environment safe or not safe? Generally, uh, if there's all kinds of turmoil, so that's number one. But let me also say this. As we talked about, we come into this life with karma, okay? And we've been here many, many times because the television bodies come and go, but the broadcast is always here. And I say, but how many lives do we have? A thousand lives. I go, so what's significance? Sometimes a child is born with a defect of some kind, uh, autism or some kind of thing like that, something. And I say, oh, oh, poor child. I go, you know, this child has altered the behavior of the parents in the community. And that then mm. maybe a, a child comes in as a teacher. Yes. And, and I just said yesterday at, the, uh, at this Awaken Festival, I, I met somebody whose who child is autistic. And, I, and, and guess what? Their lives have completely changed. They're now working in a community group. They're working, you know, trying to bake a better environment and all that. And they got that from what? Because they, they, their child is in the situation and they want to know how to overcome it. And so they have a completely different life experience yeah. after this. And it changed their environment yeah. and the people around them. The child was a teaching. Teacher. It's so funny you say this. A friend of mine was telling me a story about how someone she knows, their child got leukemia. 
and was really sick in hospital for a couple of years and the parents worked non-stop. And so during that time, they stopped being workaholics and spent time at the bedside in the children's hospital with their child. As soon as that child became well after two years, bang, back to workaholics. That's a lesson. That child was teaching you to, like, give it time and love and not work your 24-7 and, and neglect it and now the child has nannies and it's yeah. kind of quite sad. It is very sad. You know, it's really interesting because I didn't believe in spirituality as a yeah. scientist and the day that I started to recognize the me the physical mechanism, quantum physics and cells and putting it together and there was this moment I said, oh, my God, I wasn't spiritual and it's like, oh, my God, uh, I'm not in here. I'm the field. Uh, and so I went from, like, a whole life not spiritual, and then one minute later it was like, oh, I'm spiritual. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I acquired devotion. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like, oh, my God. And this was a moment where, as a scientist, I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm a spiritual entity and I have a body. Mm. And... Curious science guy says to himself, he go, I go say to myself, why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be a spirit? And the answer to my question welled up from 50 trillion cells in my body, and I, I refer to them now as Jewish comedian cells. <laughs> and I say that because I asked a question, why have both? Why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be a spirit? And the 50 trillion cells welled up and asked me a question. I asked a question, they answered with a question. The question they asked me is, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? Mm. And that's a deep, it, it's so deep that you have to sit back and think about that. And the idea was what? I only know what chocolate tastes like because I have a body that, you know, Chemistry. takes the chemistry of yeah. chocolate and turns it into a vibration energy. The brain takes all the things from the outside and turns it into a vibration that's sent back to source. So I said, what's love? I said, well, you can write an essay about love, but you won't know what love is until you have a body mm. and the chemistry of love. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, that's a physical thing. I can see, that's a different thing. What is, you know, what does a beautiful scene look like? Well, you got to have some eyes uh, and the music. Well, you got to have some ears. And all of a sudden I say, oh my God, we came here to enhance our, our experience. You can be a spirit, but if you have no experience, then it's like, well, you know, uh, what does a sunset look like? You go, I'm, what the hell is a sunset? Yeah, you know? yeah. uh, and all of a sudden you start to realize we came here to manifest experiences. And the idea which people don't recognize is, well, if you have a negative experience, then don't do that again. And if you have a positive experience, hey, do that one again yeah. because that was great. Uh, uh, and, and that was what I realized. What a joy it is when you came here to understand you came here to manifest life experiences. Mm. And if you have a lot of negative experiences, it's like then what a drag it is to, to yeah. come here. But that wasn't the intention. People are innately good. They are. And I, I, I want to tell this quick story where I was at this retreat I was telling you about. And within the retreat, you, you heal people and it sounds full on. But anyway, there are people that are unwell that come and you sit with strangers basically and you use your hands to heal them. And I've done this before at this retreat. And so for a bit of it, I kept my eyes open and I just kind of was looking around the room. Can I tell you, Bruce, the thing that got to me the most 
was that there were people of all ages and all sizes and all colours and they wanted to give the sick person love. There were people praying, there were people crying and I thought to myself, now this is humanity. We don't know the person in front of us but this is someone's mother or brother or sister or father and all we care about is to help that person. And it was such an overwhelming feeling of as much as there is crap that goes on yes. in our lives, yeah. people do want to help one another. They really, like when we get down to the core of it, they are good. That, that was the intent. Where did the name humanity come yeah. from? And it came from the key word humane. And humane is being humane, is being that, that compassionate, caring. That's built into us. It's not only us. Uh, we can look at like dolphins. If a mm. dolphin gets sick in a group, the other ones will make sure that the dolphin can get up and breathe the air before they comes back down in the water. They look out for each other. Uh, even elephants, w when they see uh, when they're walking along, there's a skeleton of an elephant that was part of their community. They stop and honor mm. that skeleton because it was someone that they knew, and it's like. This is the higher level of vertebrate evolution. Yeah. And we're really even at a higher level of that. And that's why, given a chance to help somebody, you know, the, there's a house burning and, my God, somebody runs into that house. Their whole life they could get killed running into the house, but they'll do that because it's being a human. Another human is in trouble. Mm. Get that other human out at the cost of your own life. Yeah. And how many times you've read this article of some kids that were drowning and somebody went in there and helped the kids, they helped the kids, and then they yeah, drowned yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the process. Uh, if you understand this is where we come from, it's built into our, our energy and our who we are at this level of higher vibration yes. compared to lower organisms. Yes. And harmony is the destination. Harmony is when everything is working beautifully. Mm. And when there's disharmony, we have an option, unlike other lower organisms, to change that environment, to bring the harmony back into the environment. Mm. That is a natural human experience to help. It's, and that's why we got the name human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know, Bruce, do you have a favourite prayer or saying or mantra or anything like that? I, I really don't. The beautiful part was I changed my program. Mm. And that was, that was the part that resolved all of the, the things. And my program is in harmony. So I live that. Mm. I live that at some point. Uh, let me just help people for one second because it's like, well, we all got programmed. I say, yeah, but you were being programmed even before you were born. Last trimester of pregnancy and you're programmed for seven years. I said, what's your program you got at one? You go, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I wasn't there. Three, I'm beginning to maybe become aware. So let me just offer this, okay? 95% of our life is coming from the program. So our life is a printout of our program. And I say, so you want to know your program? I say, look at your life right now and recognize simple fact. The things that you like that come into your life, they come in because you have a program to acknowledge those things. But the things that you want and wish for and desire, but you work hard, sweat over, make a lot of effort. I'm going to make, I'm working hard. Why are you working so hard? Inevitably, that means that the program you got does not support that destination. Mm. So this really is helpful for the beginning. I say, how's your life going? I say, well, everything's great except I'm not getting this and it's struggling. And I go, well, you don't change the world. 
you have to go back and recognize that the program you got does not support that resolution that you're looking for. Then you say, oh, well, then how, what do I do? And that's what we talked about. Well, you can rewrite the program. Mm. And, uh, you know, most people don't know they, A, have a program, B, they even know less that they can rewrite the program. Uh, and all of a sudden you say, you know, how powerful you are when you have this knowledge. Knowledge is, is power. Mm. Knowledge of self is self-empowerment. And, and this is what you're doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what a lot of people in this audience right now are doing. And recognize that is the drive of a human, humane, humanity is to create the garden that we came from. We evolved from a garden. And we lost it because the programming has caused division, separation, anger, all this other stuff, war, all this is... We're creating this. Because mm. things shouldn't be a struggle the whole time, should they? If we're trying to achieve something and we're slogging and it's so hard, I mean, should if someone's listening going like, I've been trying and trying to do this thing and it's not coming to fruition, where's the point of giving up? What do they do? Well, the idea is uh, giving up is really not my answer to the question. Yeah, yeah. Giving up is like, oh, I surrender. Change I go, focus. Well, well or... then you're not changing anything. Yeah. You're just going to live with it. And I don't think that's necessary. The idea is this. What are you struggling with? Do you want to change that? The yeah. answer is yeah. Then I say, well, how do I change it? And then I go, oh, well, you can do the self-hypnosis with the earbuds or you can do the repetition, uh, you know, fake yeah. it till you make it. Or you can do this new new stuff called energy psychology, which is like a miracle in a world that needs to change very quickly because using energy psychology, you can change a belief you had your whole life in 10 or 15 minutes. How do you do that? Well, it's called super learning. Yeah. And super learning, people say, what's that? And I say, well, maybe you've seen somebody read a book by just moving their finger down yeah. the page. As fast as they move that finger, they read every word. And I go, that's called super learning. I say, if you can engage that super learning, you can change a program in minutes. Uh, and uh, so there, there's a way of engaging it. Uh, and a child under seven is operating in that super learning stage. That's how they can download everything uh, almost instantaneously. Uh, but after age seven, it changes. We lose that ability. And I say, what is it? And I say, if you look at a brain, there's a line right down the center of the brain, and we call their hemispheres. And we talk about the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. And I go, there are different functions associated with the left and the right. Like the left is intellectual and the right is emotional. When both hemispheres are plugged in together, then you're fully experiencing what they call whole brain, not, not just one hemisphere. I go, but after age seven, we separate the hemispheres, not physically, functionally. So during the day, uh, two or three hours, you're more intellectual, then two or three hours later, you're a little bit more emotional. It's like a wave going back and forth. But the point was, they're not in sync anymore. They're not in harmony anymore. They're separate, uh, not physically, again, functionally separate. I said, if you want to get back into that super learning state that the kid had, then you have to bring the hemispheres back together again. And there are exercises that do this. Uh, one of them, uh, it, it was called Cook's Hookup. And it's a matter of uh, how, how you hold your body. You know. But let's say my right arm is controlled by my left brain. Okay, But if my right arm crosses the midline of my body, it also gets picked up by the other brain. Okay, oh. So when I cross my arms or cross my ankles, 
that gets both hemispheres to start working at the same time. Oh, wow. And it's very calming. And that's why if you look at people that are resting, guess what? They will unconsciously cross their ankles. They'll sit there with their ankles crossed. I go, that's part of it. But if you also cross your wrists, you, you can do, you know, it enhances even more. I say, when you're in that posture, there's first is calming, and then secondly, it engages super learning. So the harder part of changing is what is it you want to change and, and the words that you want to use in the change. That's where we started with. It's not I will get healthy, mm. you know, I am healthy or whatever. Once you have those words and once you get into a, a posture like this, and there's a little bit more to it than that, yeah. but this is radio talk now. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into that cook's hookup posture and your brain starts to all of a sudden integrate like this, you just talk to yourself, you, you, like you close your eyes and you say to yourself, and the big one is like, I love myself. And I say, so you get in a, this hookup and then you say, I love myself. And the most important thing is if you don't love yourself, which you tested before. Yes. When you say, I love myself, the system's like, nah, nah, static. It doesn't really believe what you just said. And I just said, feel it and then say it again. I love myself. Feel it. Then say it again. I love myself. Five minutes, seven minutes, you know, 10 minutes is a relatively long time. There'll be, let's say, five minutes later, you're repeating, I love myself, wait, repeat. And then after about like five minutes, all of a sudden you say and you realize that feeling goes away, that, that noisy vibe, it's peaceful all of a sudden. It's, very, it's like, okay, all right, you can feel it. And then I go, you've just changed it. Mm. You can feel when it changes. And then you can do the, the test. We do muscle testing. Uh, and you can test. Did my belief change? I go, five minutes later, you do the muscle test. And it's like before you failed, five minutes earlier, your muscles were weak. And then you do this process. And five minutes later, you test his muscles strong. You say, done. That's it. Ah. That's it. Where can people find this super learning if they would like to well, explore more about it? Let me let me help by saying my website, which is very simple, BruceLipton.com. Yeah. BruceLipton.com. Under uh, resources, there's belief change, and there's a directory. And I think there's about 25 different modalities of energy psychology with a little paragraph and a connect to a website. There are 25 different ways that people have come up with of how I can change this energy psychology. It's not conventional psychology. I said, you'd never go backwards. It doesn't make a difference how you got here because you got here with the program. Yes. It's the program you want to change, not how you got the program. Uh, and these energy psychologies uh, give us an opportunity to, to rewrite those programs, especially those that use the super learning process. Uh, because if you get both hemispheres in sync, it's called hemi-sync, uh, then you're actually engaging super learning. And in a super learning state, you can rewrite a program in five minutes. Wow. Really, and walk away. And if, I'll tell you, I couldn't have written my book if I didn't do this, and I would never have met my partner, Margaret, if I didn't do this, because whatever reasons psychologically before, like I said, mm. you know, my father's dysfunctional behavior, I, uh, until I changed that dysfunctional behavior, I, I would never have found a partner that w like I have now. But I had to change first, then the partner showed yes. up. Yes. Bruce, what is a life of greatness to you? I'll tell you <laughs> that it, it's just filled with the greatest appreciation of having a life. Mm. 
that this is like, oh my God, uh, here I am. Look at the sunset. Look how beautiful the sea is. Look, like, it's like, it's magic. Uh, and the idea of recognizing the beautiful character of having a life and living that life to the fullest. And at the end go, okay, I'll come back again in a different body, different TV. Uh, but did you enjoy your life? My stepfather was a grumpy old man, and but my mother was happy, so it's like I didn't live with him. I don't care. But he was a grumpy guy, and he was oh, he was uh, racist, and I, I didn't, I couldn't mm. stay with him for very long. But my mother was happy. Okay, fine. But the interesting story about his life—he lived to be ninety-seven, and my mother took care of him in his last uh, month or two of life because he had cancer, and she didn't send him to a hospital. She took care of him at mm. home. And the last week of life, he was not really there. And about two days before he died, all of a sudden he was there, eyes open, bright. He was there. And he said to my mother, he said, I didn't have any fun. Aww. 97 years old, is going to die in two days. Wow. And then it occurred to him on the last day of his life, Jesus. I didn't have any fun. So I'm going to tell you, have as much fun as you can possibly mm. have. Enjoy everything to the fullest. Uh, and as I said, simple rule. If you don't like it, then don't do it. <laughs> do something else. Yeah. And, and enjoy this. What a great opportunity to be creators. We are creators. We are creating our life. And we have to let go of the victim part because that meant you lost your power mm. and that we are powerful creators. You know, Bruce Lipton, you came in today and I met you which was so lovely and you're so grateful. You have this beautiful energy about you. Thank you for having me on, on the podcast and you're just so sweet and you live and breathe everything that you talk about. It's not just information. Your actual being is this state and I, I got to witness that today. I, I appreciate that. You know what's interesting because when I, I had the knowledge of yeah. this. And when I first got the knowledge, I said, oh my God, if you know this stuff, you can create this life. That... So I went and gathered some people together. I said, let me tell you <laughs> how to create this great life. And then they look at me and go, you know, for a guy who says that, Lipton, your life doesn't look that good. <laughs> uh, 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 that was my wake-up call. I said, wait, I'm talking this talk, but I'm not walking yes. this talk. Once I said, I'm not talking about it until I, I change, change it. And then the beautiful part was once I changed them, people started to go, oh, yeah, I want what you have. That's pretty good. And it's that's so like, true. It's, it's enjoyable. It's, and, and you are a perfect example of that. And I always try to lead by that as well. I think if you know the information, you need to practice it and start living by it. And I've heard you say that you're nearly 80 and you're here still spreading the good messages in perfect health and... I can't thank you enough for everything that you do, Bruce Lipton. You're an absolute gem in this world. I, I want to thank you, darling, because you are teaching with every program that you are offering. You're raising the consciousness of this planet. And evolution is raising consciousness. And, and so I'm honored to be here with you, but I also want you to recognize that you are making a big difference on this planet because you're giving people information to empower their lives, and that is humane. That is humanity. Thank you. Bruce Lipton, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode as well as many more and give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook Finding Greatness, head to sarahgrimberg.com. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast. Download the new listener app now and listen for free. Listener.